Welcome to The Real 7 Show. As always, this podcast will be completely raw, unfiltered, and uncensored. Today, I sit down and talk with Jay Griff. Jay is the founder of the Conscious Wealth brand and runs a wealth mastermind where he teaches financial literacy and the secrets of the 1% and how to break free from the systems of control. We talk about everything from spirituality to masculinity to psychedelics. So if this is something that you guys would like to listen to, then buckle up, because here we go. Jeremy Griffin. I usually go by Jay Griff. I'm from San Diego, born and raised. I left once, realized how much I loved it, came right back. That was after college. So I've been here my whole life. And um, what do I do? (laughs) That conversation has uh, changed many times over the years. I don't know if you can relate to that. But um, what I do currently is some semblance of i usually explain it as online education when i'm dealing with normies because it's going to be very difficult to explain what i actually do uh but but at the most macro sense it really is just online education i'm focused on empowering people i believe that we're in what i refer to as a fourth turning i don't know if you're familiar with that book or that framework but we are in a very unique time in a that only occurs every roughly every 80 to 120 years. And we are nearing the end of one of those cycles. And um, I think Mm -hmm. it's a very unique time to be alive. I think it's a very unique time to be a human. I think that whether you're looking at it macroeconomically, demographically, astrologically, systemically, everything is pointing to the same direction of kind of a falling of the old systems and uh, opportunity for a creation of new systems. And I believe that I was Put on the earth at this time to help uh, facilitate that for whatever reason so um, that's really the why behind my brand and what i try to do is just empower people educate people and share things that you know they they whatever they is uh don't want us to know and um give people a real fair shot at participating in the creation of this next 100 120 year cycle which you know i'm sure AI, we'll get into that, that integrates into that CBDC, all this different stuff. But this next 80 to 120 year cycle doesn't need to entail slavery for all of us, we can have a say in it. But as the brand behind you states, I'm a very firm believer that it requires wealth and money to have a seat at the table. The people that run the world currently for all intents and purposes are satanic. And so the currently the richest people in the world, the people that hold all of the wealth are satanic. We don't have very many moral God fearing conscious humans that are sitting down in these rooms that we don't have access to with a seat at the table, making these kinds of decisions. So my whole mission is to try to help people acquire wealth in a way that puts them in a position to where we can make real change. 
because it's not made by protesting. Mm. A lot of the efforts people think they're making, voting, protesting, it's all cap. It's fully an illusion. You're not actually making a difference. You need money. You need resources. You need influence, these types of things. So I, I think I go about, you know, the, I think I teach from a spiritual lens, but I go about it very differently from most of the spiritual community. And um, I think that's what tends to resonate with people is um, uh, a message that is both conscious and, and spiritual that resonates with people who have that background, but also highly practical. I like to keep mm. things very practical, um, not blow smoke up people's ass. So I guess that's my little elevator pitch for you. Fair enough. Well, when it comes to the spiritual community, I mean, <clears throat> look, and I know there's levels to this shit in the sense of, I think a lot of people have just decided that in hard times, it's best to just kind of open up a book because it already gives you this the these metrics to go by. It gives you this framework to kind of live by without actually having to do inner work. And uh, I know that a lot of people find value in it, um, but it seems as though the value kind of has a ceiling like I don't really see it as having any sort of, you know, net benefit towards the tail end of it. Like, sure, it may help you in the beginning to either find your purpose or to assist you in, in, in finding something to believe in that kind of takes the fear away. But do you notice that spirituality has almost become sort of a crutch for a lot of people rather than something that they can use effectively in their lives? That's a great question. Never been asked that. I think um, I think that's a fair observation. And anyone on the receiving end of that who may be triggered, I would encourage you to <laughs> look at the truth in what was just asked. I think what you're referencing is uh, this common notion that I refer to and that some of us in the space refer to as spiritual bypassing. I don't know if you've heard of that, but essentially it's like uh, it's this notion or this fallacy that like um, a little bit of something is good, but then too much of it isn't better, right? There's kind mm. of that concept in life. So like the spiritual implications of that is like spirituality, inner work practices, uh, getting to know yourself, becoming more conscious, all of that. Those are exceptional things. There's, there's nothing uh, negative about that. Except when we then attach to that and that becomes our entire identity and that becomes the only thing that we go to when life gets tough or whatever it may be. And we essentially put ourselves in this position where we become what I reference as a spiritual bypasser, where like, instead of facing like real life and coming up with real world solutions, you're just like, I'm going to meditate more or whatever it may be. Or like, you know, for my brand, I'm dealing with a lot of, I'm helping, you know, a lot of our community who has extremely poor money mindset, because that's a whole mind virus that has infiltrated uh, the spiritual community where and the religious communities where somehow if you have money, you're a bad person. Mm. And I, I'm really working to <laughs> unengrain this because it's a ridiculous concept. Money just amplifies who you already are. Um, but for to give you a, a case in point example about spiritual bypassing, what we see a lot in the spiritual community is like uh, the typical archetype of like the broke hippie, right? So this person's mm. poor because they're like, fuck the system. I don't, I don't want to work. It's all a scam. Why try? And so they just like, don't they just live at home with their parents or whatever and that's all that's all fine but and they want money and so they'll just meditate and try to manifest it 
And so they'll just meditate, visualize, visualize, and it's coming to me. I, I'm, I'm embodying, I feel abundant. And it's like, but you're living at home with your parents and you're not doing anything. Right. And so that's where, that's what I mean when I say, like, I try to strike the balance of like, I fully understand that archetype. I was that archetype, but mm. at some point I had to grow up. And so I think that's why my journey is relatable to a lot of that kind of archetype that we're talking about here, because like I got psyoped too. That's how I refer to it. Like there's a lot of these psyops out there. Like when you're on the path and you start to become open-minded and you start to open up your consciousness and your mind to alternative points of views, you have to try shit on. And that's yeah. our journey in my experience. So I've tried on all sorts of shit, my man. <laughs> I've yeah, done yeah. all sorts of things that I look back and I'm like, I was in a fucking cult. <laughs> like, what was I doing? But it's like, look, you open up your mind, you open up your consciousness, you start messing around with psychedelics, you start going like, wow, the rules that I was taught, every single one of them isn't even true, then what mm. else isn't true? So you kind of have to explore these things. So I, I never um, blame them or or judge them. Um, I, I've experienced the same thing, but I, I do view them as kind of traps along the journey, traps that uh, can be avoided um, with the right uh, mentorship or awareness or discernment. Sure. And, and do you notice how, look, the whole idea of manifesting, and I don't know if people know why it's, it's a thing. Like people seem to think that, you know, there is just a magic wand that you wave. And if I, you know, sit here and just think about it enough that it's going to happen. And it's like, well, no, I mean, even if you look at like the connection between prayer and manifestation, well, prayer is simply just asking yourself to, to, to start to create the version of you that is, at a level high enough to receive what you want at that point. So it's kind of like when you, when people just for, for uh, an example for people is if you pray and you say, um, if you're calling for yourself to, to need more strength, if you're like, you know, God, I need more strength, whatever it is, well, you're going to get hard times. Cause that's what you've called on. You haven't called on. Nobody's <laughs> just going to give you strength. It's going right. to give you bullshit to create the person that is exactly what you asked for. But mm. The only way to be that person is to go through the shit. You're not just yep. going to become strong out of nowhere. No, nah, man, you want to learn a lesson. There needs to be a lesson to be learned. Like, mm -hmm. why does everyone think these days that it's going to just be easy? Like who, when you were born, guaranteed you that life is going to be this easy linear process that you just start here and there's going to be, you know, this, this nice linear line going up with no, you know, peaks and valleys. And it's going to just be so easy. Who guaranteed you that? Who told you that that was part of this agreement, right? Like <laughs> you didn't come here for shit to be easy. You came here to learn the lessons and then hopefully teach your kids these lessons so that they can be better than you ever were. Mm -hmm. And then continue to move forward in that fashion, generation through generation. But what I have noticed, dude, is a lot of people who have introduced themselves to psychedelics in a healthy way. Don't get me wrong. You can abuse anything. But for those who use psychedelics in a healthy way, they seem to be the ones that now when the world is in the biggest limbo it's ever been in, seem to be leading the way. Why do you yep. think that is? What, what do you think psychedelics value is? And why do you think that those are becoming the thought leaders of today? Oh, man. Loaded question because I could go so many different ways with that. One thing that comes to mind is, uh, have you heard some of these theories? Uh, I believe like Paul Stamets is, is, uh, theory. Be... this podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Yorko. 
All of us know how important our health is, and Yorco has your health as its top priority. From white pine tincture to give you that daily dose of high-quality vitamin C and boost the immune system, to all-natural healing salves and soaps for day-to-day use. Everything is all-natural, handcrafted, and 100% all-Canadian with zero harmful ingredients. We all know almost all store-bought products and over-the-counter medications are causing a world of problems for us and our families. So keep you and your family safe with all-natural herbal remedies from Yorko. Visit www.realyorko.com and enter the discount code 7SHOW for 10% off your purchase. That's www.realyorko.com and enter the discount code 7SHOW for 10% off of your purchase. Now back to the pod. Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you heard some of these theories about the relationship between like human evolution over the years and the evolution of our IQ and our consciousness and like the role mushrooms played in that? I am. Yeah, I'm well aware of that. So that's interesting. Um, Some of those theories, I'm not an expert on those, so I'm not going to try to speak on them. That does come to mind when you're asking that. (laughs) But uh, a a more applicable response, I can speak on my experience. So I think that... As we know in the universe, there's no such thing as entropy. Everything is either expanding or contracting. Mm. And that's just like a law of physics, right? So if you understand that consciousness is really similar to uh, the universe at a macro scale, um, like our brain and our neurons and everything like that, the, the super micro looks very similar to the super macro if you're looking at a solar system or whatever. When you start to take some of these entheogens, they they shut off the version of yourself that most of us refer to as the I, right? I, I refer to it as the I construct, your ego, like the I. So your preferences, your personality, who you think you are, the things you've been through, your past, all of that stuff. It kind of shuts that off and it gives you an opportunity to somewhat expand your consciousness. And once that consciousness expands, because if you understand the law of physics I just referenced, it cannot go back to the original, uh, if you want to think of it as the vibration or the size or whatever capacity, it can't go back. And if you continue with that, you know, we now know because the science, now they'll fund the science because it's profitable for them. (laughs) Now we know through like maps and Johns Hopkins uh, research and stuff like that, you know, all the stuff about neuroplasticity and and how effective a lot of these mushrooms and entheogens can be at rewiring your brain, overcoming addiction, uh, depression, PTSD, things like this. Yeah. So I, I look at it in two ways. The spiritual component is like this ethereal, intangible notion of like consciousness. We still don't really understand what that is. But if you've ever taken them ever, you understand that, yeah, whatever the hell he's saying is true. It does seem to expand your consciousness, whatever that means. And then the more science-based side of it right the neuroscience is like it's actually you know creating new neural pathways and it's helping it's helping you untrain old neural pathways and step into new neural pathways and it's really good to help uh, behavior change and addiction and getting out of patterns and um like dependencies you might have in life etc etc so the way that i see that all of that applies to like why is it that the ones that are like kind of leading the charge like you know 2020 is like typically the type of person who's uh who's been somewhat of a psychonaut or somewhat of a consciousness explorer i think that 
in my own experience, it, it just made it, it makes it so easy. Like it only takes one experience. And I don't know if you've ever had one of these experiences, but it only takes one psychedelic experience where you see what I would refer to as behind the veil. And you see that all of this is fake. <laughs> right. And yep. you're just like, what the hell? Like life is not what I just went, you know, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years thinking it was. And right. that from that day forward, like, your life can never be the same unless you get amnesia to that experience. But my life certainly wasn't the same after experience, having some of those experiences at 16, 17 years old. And so when a 2020 happens, it's just like, I wish I had better words to explain how it goes down, but you're just so aware that all of this is like a, somewhat of like a, a puppet show or, or a simulation because you you've experienced it experientially in a sense. Mm. Whereas if you haven't ever explored with psychedelics, you've never had it experientially. You can read all the books you want. You can read Aldous Huxley. You yep. can read about Ram Dass, Timothy Leary. You can, you know, you can read books about tripping and whatever it may be. You could read books, spiritual books, and you can hear about the gap and you can understand the matrix and you can get it, but that's intellectually. That's not a, that's not a knowing. And what psychedelics allow you to do is they allow you to have an experience that's in your body and it becomes a knowing it's not in your brain. Mm. And, um, when that happens, it kind of becomes more of who you are, becomes more of an embodiment and it's hard to trick or manipulate or fuck with an embodied person. Yep. But it's easy to trick or manipulate or fuck with someone who just knows knowledge, knows information. Because mm. you can just teach them some, to memorize something new. You can say, oh, that's not the science. This is a science. But when something's in your body, good luck telling me that's not real. Mm. Yeah. And um, I think something that I said a little while ago was to the effect of, you know, I was kind of scrolling through Instagram and someone tagged me in um, one of these posts where somebody was a religious individual was kind of going crazy on the psychedelic saying like, Oh, well, there's no real way for you to use these to get closer to God. And uh, what I commented to him was, I was like, listen, if you think that you're going to take psychedelics for you to get closer to God, you're wrong. That's not the reason for taking psychedelics. It's you take psychedelics in order to get closer to you. That's where your mistake was. You thought that you were going to get, you know, somehow closer to this divine being and have this, you know, amazing conversation that was going to alter the way you thought forever. And it's like, well, while that's the truth, yeah, you're going to have an experience that's going to alter you forever. But you get to kind of choose the terms of service when you experience psychedelics for yourself. And I'll just give you a little brief story on on my first psychedelic um, experience. So I decided, uh, so I'm an individual has lost a son. Uh, when we lost him, me and my wife got to hold him in his last moments and watch the life leave his body. And when you say that, uh, you know, when yeah. people say that you can kind of watch somebody go statue gray and and almost feel the life force leave them, there's a new respect for what consciousness truly is, right? Because now I'm just holding this vessel that embodied that consciousness. And I don't actually know what I'm holding. Right now, I'm just holding a flesh suit. The individual that I, I I truly love, the individual that was in my heart that I had that bond with is now into the ether. And whatever happens with that is whatever happens with that. And learning to accept that 
was really difficult, right? Like a death of anybody, wow. right? It's it's inherently For difficult. Sure. But um, when I truly started to understand myself, it was when I did mushrooms, was lying in my bed, uh, first time. And, I, and honestly, I think I did them more so just trying to seek a way out of something that feels oddly fake, which was this reality, wherever we are right now. This can't be it, dude. And that's why I think so many people are lost. This this is not it. If you think this is all it, well, that's where you're bought in. That's where they got you. And that's where you, your power only lies as far as they allow you, you know what I mean, to go. Yep. But what I did was, you know, that first mushroom trip. And what I saw was I was walking along a boardwalk and to the left of me was a white sandy beach, the ocean and the sun. And what I saw was a silhouette of my son holding my wife's hand. Uh, or sorry, my daughter holding my wife's hand, my wife holding my second born son and my son that passed away beside her at the age that he would have been in, in that moment, not the age he left that dude, the age wow. in that moment. Yeah. And when I started, I remember feeling tears running down my face. I remember starting to walk over in disbelief, but I could feel the sand between my toes. I could smell the ocean. I could feel the breeze. And then when I walked up to him and he turned around and I saw him, and when I, I I touched him, it was the feeling of pre his consciousness leaving his vessel. And I had a conversation and got my closure, right? Wow. And right after that closure, my wife had actually turned the light on. She had just come out of the bathroom, turned the light on, and I came out of it, dude. And it was like I got sucked into a fucking warp zone real quick and brought back here. And that was the moment I had my aha moment, like... Every single thing that is done to us by the powers that be is designed to keep us in a level of reality that we cannot fucking fully understand. And the moment that you decide to take something to kind of blast you off into where your consciousness actually exists in its most powerful form, they're trying so fucking infinitely hard to keep you away from that. Yeah. And that's what we see. And what I've realized is the people who have done the psychedelics and who have had experiences like we have... I think that the best way to try to conceptualize it is just that we are willing, not able, we're willing to look at the fact that there are so many things that seem unfathomable to the rest. We don't need to have this giant grand understanding of it. We don't need to know exactly what's going on. But when you feel that thing in your gut, we have systems within us, dude, that are designed to keep us on our path. And when we feel those things deep inside of us, dude, you just you just know it's right. You know, and and whether you call it smelling bullshit or, you know, your your gut feeling or your intuition, whatever that is. You know, it, it seems that that is what truly guides the thought leaders that will stand the test of time, such as yourself. Dude, I could watch your content. I could watch a video from yesterday and then scroll down a year ago and the shit from a year ago is just as relevant today as it was then and these are the these are the people i want to talk to because it's up to us at this point man and i know that people may not want to believe that now i know that people are still into star worship the wrong kind of star worship with the celebrities and shit it's fading out Mm -hmm. But people are starting to recognize that there are voices that truly touch the soul when you listen to them rather than just impress you with flashy cars, clothes. So I actually want to talk about that. When you were talking about money and how people somehow see money as this like force of evil, 
where do you see that being problematic and where do you see it being advantageous? Mm. The belief? Yeah. I see it being problematic when it's... <clears throat> I see it being problematic when it's kind of uh, cheaply adopted and not mm. like deeply examined. So like at the more macro scale as a societal belief is when you're going to start to see the issue. Like the, a, a lot of people only believe that because it's groupthink to believe that. So that's where I see the issue is like when you're just following the herd because your other spiritual friends are like, why do you want a nice car? I thought you're spiritual. Like that's the issue in an, in an archetype or in a sentence, but the inverse of that, I think, look, we're all sitting here on social media in this space, agreeing in, in every different way, right? Some of us go about it from a spiritual lens. Some of us go about it from a media lens. Some of us go about it from an intellectual lens. Some of us go about it from a education lens, but we're all speaking to the same thing. We need change on this planet. And there are certain rules that govern the 3D realm. And I, and I talk about these rules a lot, right? That you can call them like the spiritual laws that govern the universe or whatever it may be. And outside of those, there are only a few agreed upon constructs that every human essentially has bought into and agreed, agreed upon in the 3D. And one of the only constructs that we all agree upon in terms of uh, using it for somewhat of a scorecard of influence is money. Mm. And so like money itself doesn't really matter. I don't really give much of a shit about it. It's the resources and the influence that it affords. And if you don't have resources, influence, and the network, you're not going to ever be able to make any semblance of systemic change. So my whole thing in sitting with this, because I didn't go about things this way for most of my path, I was more of the, the spiritual person thinking that if we all just kind of raise our consciousness or we all just, you know, meditate or want it to be that way, that eventually it will shift. And, and then like things like 2020 happen, it's like, okay, well, we're going to take a different approach. And you know, also different life experiences, but my stance, my stance now and my whole mission is trying to empower a whole new generation of people that have really positive intentions and they're here for a very specific purpose. Mm. They're what you would reference as a, a light worker a lot of times in our space, right? Someone who's here to somewhat wake people up and help shift things. That kind of person needs to be wealthy in my opinion. They don't need to be wealthy because they need to buy stupid shit. They don't need to be wealthy to flex on other people. They don't need to be wealthy to fall into greed and throw their life away, whatever it may be. They need to be wealthy because it takes money to do whatever it is you're actually asking for when you say things need to change. It takes mm. a lot of fucking money, whether it's lobbying, whether it's getting the right people in the right positions, whether it's starting that company to overthrow the corrupt ones, whatever it may be, it takes money inside of these systems that are already set up. So rather than being naive and saying like the systems need to change, 
we shouldn't have a like a president anymore. We shouldn't have Congress. It's like, look, that's not going to fucking change. The best that you can do is acquire money to where you can beat them at their own game. And their game, for example, is like lobbying politicians. If you mm. have enough money, they'll sell out. <laughs> so like these types of things, or like if you're like anti Bill Gates, right? And all the shit he's doing, <laughs> all, this, all the shit he's doing in the world. If you have enough money, you help found, fund, and create the next Microsoft, but in a positive way. Mm. And that can essentially overthrow or compete with Microsoft or take from its market share. So like I could go on with a, a number of different like capitalistic ways that this could go about. But my point is like, I, I just try to uh, educate people on the fact that like we do live in a debt based capitalistic society and it has a lot of flaws, but it would be far worse if it was communist, socialist or fascist. Mm -hmm. And so we're best off maximizing the system we have and in a debt-based capitalistic society, there's a certain way to play that game rather than trying to say, Hey, let's play a new game. It's like, they're not going to agree to play a new game, but you could beat them at their own game. So that's kind of what I have come to over the years. And it's, it reminds me a lot of like when people say, uh, you know, things like, oh, well, j just stop paying your taxes. And it's like, well, look, the sentiment, I agree. I agree with the sentiment. <laughs> I agree with, I agree with the notion, but you'll never be able to do that. Hmm. You stop paying them the IRS or Canada revenue, depending on where you are, is going to be up your ass. You're going to get yanked out of your home. And then what? Then what influence do you have anywhere? Now, if you had half the population to stop doing it, different story. Mm -hmm. Now you're talking about something that is like an uncontrollable movement that they'll never be able to stop. But I think that what you're saying is to try to apply practicality to whatever notion it is that you're making. You just want to see people make sure that what they're doing has an actual applicable side to it. Yeah, that you can actually fucking do something with rather than just do like, you know, this post with a sensationalist idea that people will be like, yay, in your comments, 100%. No, nobody can actually do. And that's what we see a lot of. And this isn't me. Look, I'm all for content. I appreciate content. I think a lot of it's shit, but whatever, man, if there's a person, maybe there's somebody out there who looks at your your content that I think is trash and, and finds value in it. And that's enough for them to change their lives. So I never tear people down for it like you do you. Right. But I just it, it's tricky sometimes, man. Like you ever get the feeling that we're kind of like moving in the wrong direction, almost like the pendulum swung way too far to the other side and didn't even consider the road in the middle. Mm. Two things I'll say. One is that because of my spiritual beliefs, I believe that everything is happening exactly as it is meant to happen and that this was already written. And so in a way, life is both we're writing the book and the book is writing us. And mm. sometimes you'll have experiences where you look back in retrospect and you're like, if 
any little minuscule detail were different in that entire sequence, I wouldn't mm -hmm. be here right now or sure. none of this would be possible. And so those moments remind us that we're not really in control. The book is mm -hmm. writing us. You know, if you stepped one, if you were 10 seconds earlier out the door, that car T-boned you and you're dead. Those mm -hmm. types of experiences, right? But then in our normal day-to-day -day life, we lose sense of that. And it feels like we're writing the book and that's where the stress comes in and the resistance and we try to push through. So I think it's a, I think it's an ebb and flow. I think it's both there. So that's my personal stance. I'm not trying to convince anyone of that. That's just the sure. way that I live my life. And I found it to be beneficial to my purpose here and my uh, mental health to think that way as well. I think uh, it can be easy to fall into a dark place if you don't have any uh, relationship to a higher power or any right. semblance of what this is all for. You can fall into the whole nihilism trap and all of that. So uh, that's one that's one aspect of of your question and um the other i'm i'm blanking on but it'll come back to me if you can you kind of repeat the sentiment of your question uh i don't quite remember to be honest with you <laughs> all right no worries but but um I, I think that the 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 gist of it too um oh I, it was talking more so about how you know we're we're kind of falling into uh, the trap of kind of like the the doom and the gloom. And that's oh, I remember. what you're seeing. Thank you. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I brought up this notion of mm -hmm. a, a fourth turning earlier when we were chatting. And mm -hmm. um, so I use this framework a lot because it just blew my mind. Um, you guys can look into it if you're interested. It's called The Fourth Turning. It's it's a book. Uh, the authors also wrote a book called Generations. And, and they study um, demographic sh shifts over time and, and generational cycles. So demographic cycles, generational cycles. And that impacts us in every sense, culturally, socially, um, in terms of uh, trends and what's popular. It also impacts us uh, economically and, and systemically and politically, literally everything. So it's fascinating to study if you want to understand this this world. Well, you you reference like, do you ever feel like we went from all like the pendulum was crazy over here, right? Like what we could call like toxic masculine, and then we went and we're all like, oh, feminism, like kill the masculine, right? That's just a su super simple example, but mm -hmm. it is very volatile. Like, and, and we miss the middle. That's kind of your question. Well, it is care, and this is why I like to study history because otherwise I'm just coming up with my own opinions and projections, and I and I. I don't have much perspective to go off of in fourth turnings, which is the last 20 to 25 year cycle out of a hundred out of an 80 to 120 year macro cycle. We're at mm. the end of a fourth turning right now and characteristic uh, traits of the end of a fourth turning is like peak polarity and kind of uh, volatility. So like usually in, in the end of a fourth turning, uh, what's referred to as a populist comes into power. And that's someone who can be extremely <laughs> uh, polarizing. And mm -hmm. that was uh, Donald Trump. And so we are in times now where it is very pop, like uh, that is Andrew Tate. It's very popular to be polarizing right now. And the left and the right can't even agree on the notion of a gender. They can't even agree on the notion of if the if the climate is actually changing. We can't even agree on basic, basic things, right? Um, like, is meat good for you or bad for you? Like, some of these basic things we can no longer agree on. 
that's all characteristic of uh, fourth turnings. And that is why this is like that last end of the, of the cycle where revolution and civil war typically happens because things have to change because in the beginning of a first turning things are all good right and so both sides are kind of in the middle and everything's cooperative and then the second turning maybe it's a little further but it's not it's not so bad you're having a good time the new system is benefiting most everyone by the third turning okay we're starting to have some issues there's some there's some income inequality you know things are starting corruption starting to become more obvious and by a fourth turning okay shit needs to change like there's mass inequality there's mass manipulation the people inside of the system no longer believe and buy into the system that mm. is when systems break is when you know we have videos i don't know if you've ever seen the irs commissioner um testifying in congress where he mentions <laughs> we have to uphold the uh belief of the american citizens in the uh voluntary tax system because it is a voluntary system of paying taxes have you seen this clip mm -mm. <laughs> i usually use it when i'm like teaching when i'm red pilling someone on the the taxes stuff but um so it's like this notion of if if we don't buy into these systems that's when they start to break right and right now we have record levels of uh mistrust in media yeah. record levels of mistrust in uh, politics. And, and that's all of it is characteristic for turning. So without these kind of frameworks, without studying history, I would be left to my own projections and whatever it may be. I'd like to take more of a historical lens. And so I guess I'm just sharing that to kind of say like what you're observing is, is correct and that it has to be that way because sure. of where we're at uh, generationally. On the other side of this is a first turning, is a new right. system, is something we all can and do buy into and somewhat of a, a fresh start for the next hundred-ish years. But in the in the end of a of a fourth turning, it's just so it's very volatile. It's both sides started at the center mm -hmm. and over parents, then grandparents. Then great grandparents sure. over yeah. cycles, it becomes more and more polarized to where like your average Republican now is pretty far right. Your average Democrat is pretty far left to the point where when a, when a Robert Kennedy comes out and you hear that he's a Democrat, you're like, what? Because his stances don't seem Democratic. But what's interesting and what he tries to educate people on is this is what the Democratic Party was all about. Sure. And I don't know about you, but I'm 31 years old and that blows my mind. That means I would have been a Democrat. 20 years ago, the shit he's saying makes sense, right? All of it's fake, but like, let's just remove that. Just right, right. him as a person, the shit he's saying, the concepts he's speaking about, the awareness he's bringing, I support that. The things that he's saying make a lot of sense. And that's apparently democratic and was what the Democratic Party stood for. But over a second turning and a third turning and a fourth turning, now we're in a point where that party's been hijacked. <laughs> they don't know they've been hijacked because they're all puppeting it, but that party's been hijacked. And in the, in the past, the Republican Party has been hijacked too. So it's not like a pointing fingers, like it can happen. But just for right now, where we're at, that party has been hijacked to the point where when you hear someone who's more in the middle of the aisle, who's the opposite of a populist, like Robert Kennedy, who's trying to not polarize people, who's trying to get people to work together and mm. have these actual conversations. Right, right. It's like kind of mind blowing to see that right now. So what that kind of shows me is like 
I feel it's pretty unlikely he would be able to win it, but that would avoid a revolution, civil war, world war, which are typically characteristic of the end of a fourth turning. Because yeah. if we get someone who's very polarizing at the end of a fourth turning, which is typically how it goes because people's views are so polarized because they're mm. so fed up because it's been so long because change has to happen. It, it It's very easy to go. Things are heightened. You know, mm -hmm. it's very easy to, to kind of go off the rails there. Mm -hmm. And just to kind of, uh, touch on on something that you said there and then bring it to a more broad conversation i want people to really pay attention to how they analyze information um and what i mean by that is when somebody hears something like a like a you know rob kennedy there's actually something that he said on the on the rogan podcast that i fucking loved and and you know i really hope that people take it and and derive the value from it which is where joe rogan says look man like you may have all of these you know, views that people find insanely polarizing and, and, you know, you're having conversations that nobody wants to have. But when I look at you, I see a reasonable man. And I want people to take just that little clip and remember that I just put a post on my page about this, about like, look, if, if we're not mentioning politics and, and we don't mention kind of any of our, you know, political beliefs, man, people are just people. 100%. Right. And, and, it doesn't really matter, you know, even if you're you're doing something that I completely disagree with in your life, as humans, we can sit down and derive a a great conversation just from our humanity alone, man. Like, yeah. And look, and we've lost that because of where we are, but it's temporary, but it seems like it's going to be forever. It seems like the world's going to shit, but I, I, I really just feel it's temporary for where we're at. Yeah, and, and it has to be, man, because, look, I had somebody in the trans community reach out to me, right? And they were mm -hmm. like, look, dude, the thing I like about what you're doing is the fact that, yeah, you'll kind of poke fun at things that are absolutely insane. But for the most part, you're not on here with every conservative viewpoint on like it, like, for instance, with the whole like Barbie movie thing. It's kind of like, oh, my God, this is crazy. And I'm like, yeah, but why'd you go watch it? Can you like, educate me on that? Because I haven't even... Uh, so I, I don't know, man. Look, what are people, people are saying about it? People are doing what they do and they're creating reasons okay. to take a fictional movie about a fucking doll and mm. turn it into something political. Everybody wants to find something wrong okay. with everything now. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. The, these days, everything is a thing for whatever yeah. reason. Something mm -hmm. can't just be. And it's like, uh, y'all realize that you're mad about a movie that one, nobody forced you to see. Right. Two, by going to see it, you just supported the thing that you hate most. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, right. And three, now you've tried to, I guess, make something into this man-hating political. And we could talk about, you know, political motivations for things and timing and all that. But if you just practice adulting for 10 seconds and realize <laughs> that you're just adulting getting- Adulting is uh, hard. <laughs> super hard for people to understand, right? But it's like- it's a movie about a fucking doll, man. Like, why are we... Who cares? You know why I don't have an opinion on this fucking movie? Because I would never go see it. I just don't care. It doesn't bother my life in any way. And and going back to the, the individual in the trans community, you know, it opened up a, a good conversation where we took our, you know, beliefs on how the world should be ran. And I just spoke to them on a human level. 
and realize that, dude, they're just fighting to be accepted for what they want to be in society. They're not trying to push it on your kids. They're not the crazy ones that are you hear about on the news. The only shit that you hear about on the news is the extreme of both sides to keep yeah. people arguing, right? Yeah. But, dude, I spoke to this person, and it was it was probably one of the deeper conversations that I've had to date. Just with an I individual bet. who's like, you know, just they're, all they're trying to explain is, look, man, like you don't know how it feels to feel like you're born in the wrong body and the the mental you know just strain that that causes in every single aspect of your life you know and it's kind of like when you sit back and think about it and a lot of do people are going to listen to this and you just watch how much flack i'm going to get for all this like reasoning with someone on the other side this will be our our promo clip for the episode <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave it on the cliffhanger. Like our whole convo was oh, about trans, man. dude. That it would go. He's nuts promoting too. the agenda now. He's a psyop. Yeah, yeah. And then my, I just did new art for my podcast, which only has one eye. So, you know, it's got to be that I'm uh -huh. now a controlled op reptilian shill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's what I mean, right? It's like we should be able to just look at somebody regardless of what you believe and just recognize that, bro, like we're all fucking here together, man. Like, what is the point of of, you know, me saying, OK, I want freedom, you saying I want freedom. And then it's like, well, but I need to censor your thoughts here and you need to censor mine there. I'm like, that's not fucking freedom, man. The only thing that I and the same thing I said to this individual is like, look, leave the kids alone. That's literally all I'm asking, bro. You go do whatever it is that you want to do. Just stop telling me that I need to inform my children about it and we're mm -hmm. good. And even they thought it was absurd. They're like, why do kids need to? So it just goes to show you, right, that not everybody is painted with the same brush. And we yeah. need to stop that shit, dude. Like, how many people have you spoken to that you disagree with that actually turn out to be great conversations? Most. Yeah. And, and why is that? You guys obviously don't agree. Well, I think there's, unfortunately, uh, to stay on this same framework about how we're at this place of temporary peak mm. polarization that we've all kind of bought into and we all play a small role in to be honest mm -hmm. i don't operate under this notion of what someone believes is who they are those mm. are separate things right so i can i can hold mutual points of view that are seemingly conflicting at the same time Whereas many people lack the emotional and spiritual maturity or capacity to realize that disagreeing with someone or someone disagreeing with you has nothing to do with whether or not you can be friends with them, whether or not you can like them, whether right. or not you should distance yourself from them or attack them or think less of them. I mean, case in point, uh, me and my me and my partner, Jax, we've been together five years now. We disagree on all sorts of shit. She was big on the flat earth. I wasn't into it. I used to be into it. Just to give you a funny example that the community will relate to, right? So it's like those people are die hard about it. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not really sure on it, but I, I don't think so. But it, it, what does it matter? Right. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's not an issue. Um, I have I have multiple uh cousins who are gay that what does it matter that's not like that's not how i choose to live my life but it doesn't make them a bad person it doesn't mean that i can't um have a relationship with them whatever whatever 
And for whatever reason, man, we're just in these times temporarily mm-hmm. where we've we've and we're all we're all guilty of it. We've bought into this notion that like, oh, they're a Democrat. Oh, they believe in trans. Like, I can't talk to them. And it's like we're at this point now where as a where as a nation or even beyond that, right? Because you're in uh, Canada. As a lot of the first world, it's like you don't even like want to talk to your neighbor now because they might have different political views from you. And it's like, what the fuck does it matter? It's like the only way we're, we're shifting out of this is like we have to have conversations to get back to a point of realizing left, right, black, white, rich, poor. Like it's the same shit. Like you have yeah. way more in common with your brother and your sister than you think. Mm. Right. Like you're over there in Canada. I'm over here in in America. If we walked by each other on the street, we'd probably be not necessarily the first place your mind would go to is we have a ton in common. And yet throughout this conversation, I'm yet to hear anything you've said that has I disagree with. Right. But it's like. We don't even know that about each other. And it's very dehumanizing because we focus on these surface level attributes, right? right and then, and right. then now we can write them off, and now we we were able to dehumanize them. Oh, because they're trans, or because they're Democrat, or because they're far right Republican, because they voted for Trump is my favorite one. Just write them off. They're not a human anymore. So you can attack them, slander them, threaten them, not speak to them. It's like, where the hell? Did we get to this place? Mm -hmm. And that is not something any one party is guilty of. This is a human thing where our lower level animal nature is being used against us. And it's not some secret agenda coming from a fucking lab. No pun intended. It is we're all co-creating it. And that is where I think consciousness comes into this is like, we have to be able to be at least self-aware and conscious enough to realize what's going on here. Cause mm. you can't change something when you're not even aware that you're playing a role in it. And a lot of people live their lives as if they're victims. They don't realize that they're the one in the driver's seat. And when it comes to the victim mentality, I think that that's what one of the major problems is today is that people don't want to feel empowered. They want to feel feel empowered in their victimhood. And it's odd as fuck to me, man. Like I sound like the bad guy for saying to people, look, um, if you're not the best version of you, if you're not a person that wakes up every single day, takes your health into consideration with everything that, you know, you're eating, doing, um, because I, we understand that we have all of these systems in our body, right? Like our nervous system, our endocrine system, it all relies on you taking care of yourself. And if you can't even do that, then you and me really don't need to speak. Hmm. And it's like instant offended oh well you just you're fat phobic and it's like first of all listen okay the word phobia is an irrational fear of something nobody just fears fat people that's it's not a thing i'm sorry to tell you but that doesn't exist okay and it's not that i dislike them it's just that if we can't even agree on the base principle that you're the biggest form of your empowerment comes from how you take care of your physical being then we just don't need to convert it doesn't mean i'm going to treat you like any less it's just you're not going to be around me on a daily basis all the people that i keep around me are very and no they're not shredded jack they just take care of themselves 
right? Because they realize that, look, I want to be around for future generations. I want to be around to hang out with my grandkids more. Like we relate, right? But it's, do you see how that is? It's like, oh, well, you're just fat shaming. It's like, no, no, I'm asking you to be the best version of you. Yeah. That's a very different thing, dude. Like, I'm not telling you like, oh, you're fat and out of shape. Oh yeah. Well, everybody that's fat and out of shape. Like I get it. Some people have conditions, but let's stop acting like 95% of those people aren't just lazy. Yeah. Right. And I, I think, think what that I think ahead. what you're speaking to is there's this underlying assumption that when something is pointed out about us that can improve, mm -hmm. there's a large percentage of the population that defaults into this whole like almost like the psyoped self-love yeah. agenda of like yep. you're judging me, I'm perfect as I am, or whatever it may be. <laughs> whereas a smaller minority goes man thank you you're a real friend thank right. you for holding me to a higher standard right like when you know i only want friends around me that are gonna call me out on my bullshit 100 same with my partner like if she was like a yes honey i would hate that mm -hmm. right like i need to be kept in check in in a sense of like yeah, sure held accountable right mm -hmm. um and we're definitely in a place where there are very few strong men and women. And I think yes, that sir. that is why, you know, yeah. that is why they tried to jail Andrew Tate with what he's doing. That is why there's a, you know, this portrayal in our, our media and our culture and our movies and all that right now of a weak men and mm -hmm. and stuff around that and um mm -hmm. you know i don't know if you if you want to get into that stuff at all but because and i want to clarify i'm not being sexist here what i'm what i'm referencing is that the what we're really talking about here is a masculine trait yep and so you can be a woman and and embody this mm -hmm. just like my partner does i think it's very healthy <laughs> for women to embody certain masculine traits but in its essence, this notion of understanding that you're both uh, lovable and worthy as you are, and also can always be growing and improving and the purpose of this human experience is evolution. Mm. Those can coexist. I think that that is a masculine principle. And I think that masculine principles in 2023 are under attack. Because if you if you can dismantle and confuse a generation around masculine principles, everything else will topple. Because mm -hmm. if the masculine topples, the feminine can't show up. If the feminine and the masculine are out of alignment, they don't have that polarity that they normally have, the family unit collapses. If the family unit collapses communities collapse and the children collapse so you're already taking out another generation if the communities collapse the cities collapse and it just goes outwards from there mm. so that's kind of how i view it systemically and um i think that that's the deeper conversation here and what you're speaking to is just one little symptom of many we could point to uh where there's kind of this uh outright agenda to um dismantle the notion of a family that's where gender ties in and all that stuff going on right now and the, mm -hmm. uh, to shame men for being men 
and um, to get and women have become a lot more masculine as well, right? It's like the whole empowering women thing. It seems good on the surface. You dig into it and you're like, oh, they're actually dismantling the family because the women are now showing up like yep. the men and the men now have sky high estrogen levels and tanked testosterone levels and <laughs> all this yeah. stuff going on. And um, it's very interesting. It is. And, and I definitely think uh, this is a good time um, for us to stick to this conversation and kind of <laughs> dissect it a little bit. Obviously, we're not going to stay here for another two hours talking about it, but I think that we definitely need to expand on what we're talking about. And and what it is, is this is just from my perspective, men and women, I don't know if anybody has read the divine masculine and the divine feminine and and realize how we do embody both. Like, and it doesn't mean that, and, and there's, there's, there's notions that are false. Like, oh, men shouldn't cry. Men shouldn't show emotion. It's like, hold on. Now, while I agree, it doesn't mean that when things get hard, you just start, you know, bawling in front of your family. Like there also needs to be a time where you stand up as the masculine and say, no, no, I'm going to figure this out. You know what I mean? And then take yep. a moment once you're done being the masculine and you figured it out, then you can yeah. take the moment and deal with it. You can't just embody the feminine in that moment and then say, <laughs> this is the time. But you see what I mean? Like, Of course. It, yeah, this is, it can be a little too black and white, but the, but the essence right. doesn't miss. Right. And it's... We, we've just lost this and it all started with the whole, you know, feminism and toxic masculinity. And then it went all the way the other way to where it was like, yeah. oh, well, now now we hate women. And it's like, guys, no, 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 that, that's yeah. not what it it's not what it means. Like, stop basing all of your choices on women off of Miami women. Like, stop doing that. They're, they're yeah. not all like that. And that's not to shame all Miami women. That's just to say that, well, by the statistical standards. <sighs> Y'all are a little off, you know. What I mean? like, it's 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 the I've heard world about Miami. I've never been there. Yeah, man. So it would be all just it's based on that very Hollywood celebrity. Everybody's just kind of using each other for money. It's a very like doggy dog, snaky kind of world. And I don't know why people are allowing that to kind of taint the masculine and the feminine because I, I listen to a lot of these you know podcasts just kind of like entertain me where these young 20 year old men are trying to speak about what women are like and it's like dude you have no fucking idea you know I what i mean i think i know exactly what podcast you're referencing. yeah it might be uh just just make sure you're fit and stay fresh guys um uh, <laughs> so, that's but, hilarious <laughs> it, it just we're getting to this point now where it's like you know it's they trendy, say a bro. lot of it's algorithms that, right and that's but that's what it's become they're trying to that's turn masculinity and femininity into an algorithm yeah guys it's it's not like we're designed to balance each other out in this perfectly harmonious way and how do i know that well let's go beyond biology and beyond the human experience and i'll just tell you that the universe or god or whatever it is that animates us doesn't fucking miss nope undefeated. it is one undefeated always so you're telling me that we are just now supposed to battle each other when we were mm -hmm. created in perfect unison mm -hmm. it, it it doesn't work like that but i think the broader conversation is to really tackle masculinity. Now, what do you think? And, and we'll just use him as an example. What do you think about the entire Andrew Tate situation, how it started and how it is uh, kind of today? 
It's been a very interesting journey. I came into his awareness late. I had been seeing his stuff on Twitter blowing up and it would cross my feed, right? Cause it like turned into the for you page. So I didn't follow him, but it kept showing up and I'm like, who the hell is this guy? The engagement's crazy. But the posts were so what I felt like was toxic. Mm. It was very toxic. So I never hit follow. It wasn't until some of my favorite uh, YouTubers, like, uh, I don't know if you know Patrick Bet David, but yep. people like yep. that um, started to collaborate with him. And so I, I kind of heard him out. And then, you know, not long after, it's kind of the scandal and all that. So I, I got to watch him at a very interesting time at come into his peak right before the fall mm-hmm. and then traverse that and come out seemingly a very different man a lot more humble and uh, grounded. Um, What I'll say about him and his stances is that he is intentionally polarizing and anyone who doesn't understand that he's partially entertaining you, you need to look deeper and understand that off camera, every single person that's not a, a plant or a, you know, psyop media, etc. says he's incredibly generous, funny, charismatic, kind, warm. Like I've heard it over and over and over from people like, how is he off camera? Like, so he's, he's an expert at what he's doing. You know, he's an expert at getting attention. He's somewhat playing a little bit of a role like if all if you have an alter ego i view that that we're seeing his alter ego he's sure i don't believe him to be like that all the time but um let me speak on the more important points because i all of that is purely assumption and speculation because i have never met him and will never meet him probably sure what he stands for is all that matters remove him from the picture Mm -hmm. why did he blow up in the first place Society, particularly young men, were extremely hungry for this message. And I myself exiting my uh, 20s, going into my 30s, find myself in this phase of transitioning from feeling like a young adult, more of a boy, to feeling like, fuck, I'm a fucking man. Like, Mm -hmm. I need to, I went through some serious upgrades the last two years, right? in in responsibilities and leadership and masculinity and understanding what the fuck it means to be a man and that was my own journey that beautifully coincided with this thing i'm watching of this whole generation and realizing like a lot of us are going through that like how much did these agendas as much as i think i'm conscious and and as much as i think i'm aware and can't get stopped how much was i downplaying my masculinity the last few years of my 20s and i absolutely was i mean i went vegan twice i would be all i'm not going to say certain things to offend people like yeah so when i mentioned in the beginning of our conversation like i've been psyoped i've tried because i'm i'll try anything right Mm -hmm. i'll try it and um and that's our journey. But what, what Andrew Tate represents is kind of like the only way he blew up in the way he had or in the way he has is because of how hungry young men were for his what he stands for. And really mm-hmm. behind the bullshit that he gets attacked for, behind the misogyny claims, behind how triggering he can be, mm-hmm. what he's actually standing for and teaching people 
particularly trying to teach young men, are masculine principles and values that have been degraded every turning since World War One. We used to be a nation of savages. Like, imagine arm wrestling your grandfather. Bro, he'd take you out with two fingers. They used to rock 1,000, 1,200 testosterone naturally. They didn't have to worry about grass-fed, organic, none of this bullshit. Our nation was incre- had incredibly strong men and incredibly feminine, nurturing women. And each generation after that, as we got more kind of capitalistic and a little bit more polarized and a little bit more inequality spread and et cetera, it, it became more and more and more and more to where now we're in a fourth turning where we're supposed to be equal. Men and women are supposed to be equal. We're supposed to have the same things. We're supposed to be the same things. And if you acknowledge that that's not the case, like Jordan Peterson, they try to put out a hit campaign on you live on media that backfired incredibly beautifully. But that's the times that we're in. So the, these voices, uh, the Joe Rogans, the uh, Jordan Petersons, the Andrew Tates, the Patrick Bat Davids, they're very important in this time. And um, I try to do my own thing. Like those four names I just mentioned inspire me, not because they're perfect people, but because I see what they're doing at, at a large scale and humanity really needs it. And I try to do my own part in a, in a much smaller scale, but we're all, we're all doing our part. Um, one isn't better than the other, but I, I very much so feel like, and to bring it back to the spiritual community, cause that's typically where, you know, the audiences we have, right? Cause when you put out content like this, you tend to attract the more spiritual person because yep. the rest of the people are asleep. <clears throat> well, something that we've really gotten psyoped with in the spiritual community is this notion of like, we got a little too far towards like everything needs to be feminine. And I mm. think we forgot about polarity and I've had to learn this in my own relationship. Like I mentioned, uh, me and my partner just uh, hit our five year anniversary from meeting and, and dating. And um, man, the last year or so has been massively the biggest shifts we've, we've had in our relationship by, by a long shot. Like, if you compare the first four years to the last one year, the last one year is like 10 times the growth. And a lot of the biggest changes have been allowing her to just be fully feminine. She's a very feminine woman. And part of that means, you know, I kind of came to her one day and just let her know like, Hey babe, we're financially in a position where like you you don't need to be like working. You don't need to be building business. You don't need to be like trying to do these things because she wanted to build some stuff for her own, but um, just kind of letting her know, like, just like enjoy your life, like do what you want to do. And that kind of gave her permission to just fully be in the feminine. And um, on my side, just like I found myself having unconscious shame and guilt because of how much of an alpha I am. And I know that's weird to say, but like, I feel like a leader. I feel like a masculine man. And for a few years there, I lost that sense of like, I was dimming myself because where mm. society was at and Andrew Tate represents a no fuck that own your shit. And he gave a generation of young men permission to do that. Mm. And 
as much as I would like to believe I can never be influenced, I will humbly state and acknowledge that I was absolutely influenced by all of those agendas. Even if it was just in the slightest ways of not speaking up sometimes or not fully owning the expression of my masculinity because maybe it's just because I don't want to hurt people around me that I love or, or however it's justified unconsciously, but I'm really excited the way things have been moving the last six to 12 months. Like seriously, it's been a fast, big shift because we have seen some real people with real influence stepping up. Another one is Elon Musk. It's a very masculine value to stand for something Mm. despite what you have on the line or losing things or whatever. Him coming in, taking over Twitter, trying Mm. to be a proponent for free speech, these types of things. Another example. So we're seeing a lot of these kind of fourth turning-esque signs, which I just love to nerd out over. But all of this inspires me and and what I kind of just took everyone on the journey of is kind of intertwining like at the most macro there's these influencers but that that for all intents and purposes they're not real they don't really matter it's how do they connect to us in our day-to-day lives and and how are we similar and i think that what he was speaking to on the grandest stage as the most googled man on earth is also something i was going through in my own household and so Mm. i'm going through that are you going through that how many of our viewers are going through that and that is the interconnectivity that i think sometimes we lose connection to the fact how similar we all really are Mm. that is why these people that is why these concepts that is why these situations are important it's not about whether or not you think andrew tate is a good person it's not about whether or not you agree with him running a webcam business or you think he's a human trafficker it is the concepts that he's putting forth and making society discuss and popularizing if those concepts are pro-human and you believe they shift human in the right direction, you should care about them, pay attention to them. Mm. If you believe they're not, you should be able to articulate and come to your own conclusions on why and propose better arguments or viewpoints or stances. Most people just want to sit on their phone, give their opinions, do jack shit, no embodiment, just complain. Yeah. Yeah. And and when you look at just the ability to do that is a very feminine thing. And then what I mean by that is to sit behind a screen with no repercussion for your action <laughs> is a very feminine trait, right? To be able to kind of talk shit with a door in front of you uh, rather than, you know, like Mike Tyson was famous for saying uh, something to the effect of, you know, people have gotten too comfortable with being able to talk and not being punched in the face for it. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely true. You see that a lot. And I, I mean, it, it's so ingrained in the culture. I mean, you listen to how a teenage boy speaks to people online and it blows my fucking mind. Yeah. Like, dude, the shit that they say is like, dude, in person though. Yeah. Like you're looking at this little, like, 75 pound little wet paper bag talking crazy Mm. and it's like dude like i think that this was all intentionally placed the way it was in into people's lives in such an unmanageable way that you know it it, this is the the effect of having and this is going to sound crazy but this is the effect of having too much freedom and what i mean by that is i think that everybody should have freedom but there should also be a repercussion for choices made during freedom. 
right? It's like, okay, the, let's say in the US you have all this freedom and it's like, well, then people are just like riding around waving guns out of Jeeps and shit. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. But like there's freedom, but then there's like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like guy, like have some common sense with the freedom that you're given. And um, there was this really like odd take that I kept hearing on the news. And it was that, um, not in the news, I guess the news now I consider social media as you're scrolling through, that's news. It's all filling your brain yep. with bullshit. Either decentralized um, or centralized news. Right. And they were saying, oh, well, uh, Andrew Tate has all of these young men saying this kind of shit to their teachers. And it's like, you need to understand that when there is such a broad message given to a, an entire population to expect everybody, especially young men who live in a hyper feminized society to finally be granted that permission to step into their masculinity. A lot of it's going to be misguided. There's going to be mm-hmm. a lot of that because, okay, well, are you telling me that at home, his father represents that masculine or is his father a rather feminine man because of the way society has kind of trained him to be? Right. Like, does he follow that standard of masculinity? Like or like they just they try to, you know, as they always do, they try to manipulate people into thinking, oh, this is bad because a few kids have said this. And I'm like, yeah, well. On the reverse side of that coin is a lot of people I knew that were just sitting on their couches doing nothing are now worried about their physical fitness, their financial status, and, you know, trying to be the best man that they can be and not standing for an OnlyFans woman and wanting somebody who can actually represent a good mother and represent, a you know, have that nurturing part of her and represent a good woman. And that's not to say that OnlyFans girls can't be good women, but stop convincing yourself that men want that because we don't. It just, it is what it is, right? So- yeah. When it comes to like messages being entirely blown out of proportion, it seems like that's a topic that we run into a lot. Now, do you think that people actually hear the message for how it's intended to be? Or do you think that most people are still listening to the narrative created around the message? Great question. I think we're, I think as a society, we're in such a fight or flight nervous system state. Mm. And as a society, we lack safety. We lack the ability to regulate our emotions. And so when someone speaks, we don't even hear what they're really saying. We go straight to kind of like, I believe they're referred to as ad hominem attacks where you just essentially Mm -hmm. are looking at the person and you're getting caught up on picking apart the person and you miss the whole fucking point. Yep. They're like, I view life through archetypes. And so I don't get caught up on like, what does this person look like? Like a lot of people trip off uh, Robert Kennedy's uh, voice and they're, I, I just can't handle the voice or he's a lawyer. Like I don't get caught up on what they look like, what they sound like. If they're imperfect, like that just means they're authentic. Like mm. these aspects, I'm looking at the archetype. What do they stand for? Where does that archetype fit into the story that is the human story right now? And Mm -hmm. is that an important archetype to move the story in a direction that has a happier ending? Mm -hmm. That's how I look at all of this. And so, yeah, I think, you know, we're just like a lot of people, a lot of us say that 2020 was like society's dark night of the soul, right? Like a lot of people's as, as a nation, as a, almost a lot of the world, 2020 was like people's rock bottom 
spiritual rock bottom, how we all go through that in our own. I don't know if you're familiar with the hero's journey, but you kind of have your rock bottom and then there's the redemption story and all that. Right. We all have that in our own personal lives. Well, as a society, I think 2020 was like the rock bottom for a lot of people, like forced awakening and all that. Right. And that was like traumatizing for a lot of people. Uh, They were not ready for that. Right. It was like a forced awakening in a sense. And I think we're still kind of um, in the aftermath of of that. And as a society, so many people are just not not grounded, don't feel safe, fight or flight, anxious, living, tense, disconnected. And so when you can't possibly be in that state and actually receive, Mm. you're going to automatically be in your head. You're going to be automatically closed off. You're going to be automatically defensive. You're going to automatically think to defend yourself and go to why the reasons why that's uh, not true or, or why you disagree or blah, blah. And it's, you're missing it. Mm-hmm. But it's not just a systemic thing. You can't just point the finger. It's like every person's, like our level of consciousness dictates what we're able to perceive right. and receive. And most people's levels of consciousness are super low. Mm-hmm. And that goes full circle to like what you're talking about, about the food. It goes full circle to what you put in your vessel. It also goes full circle to, you know, the, your consciousness and the amount of exploration and introspection and reflection and healing you've done and all of that. There's, there's so much we could uh, go into there, but I think the, that's kind of the gist of how I see that. Mm. No, it's well said, man. I really, uh, I really don't have too much more to add with uh how you covered that it really goes into all of those little decisions that you make in your life and that's you know consciously trying to be aware of what you put into your vessel and realizing that you know your vessel is a a direct reflection of you know how you think in most cases i'm not going to say all but in most um and that's your responsibility to know this information um i think that if people would take more self-accountability and stop trying to blame the world and as I say all the time, start looking, start uh, learning to to look in the mirror rather than always looking out the window. And you realize that there's a lot of shit for you to learn about yourself that is going to do nothing more than benefit you in your journey throughout whatever this experience is. So, um, man, uh, it's it's been a fucking hell of a talk, man. And uh, dude, bravo, man! Like I appreciate you taking the 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 time to come out and 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 really. Uh, you know, express yourself in the manner that you have. Um, and this is why I try not to do these things live. Cause I don't want anybody, you know, subconsciously you're kind of performing. Um, yep. and I, I just, I feel like these intimate conversations are a lot more, uh, beneficial and advantageous for the, the, the listener. So, um, in closing, I'm just going to ask you the question that I ask every other guest, um, just kind of a tradition on the pod. And that's cool. if you could give the world one message that would change it today, what would that be? that nothing is outside of you and that everything that you see out there is a reflection of what's in there Mm. Mm. damn dude (laughs) and it's going to be highly misunderstood what you just said Mm -hmm. because there's uh there's work that goes with that um, in order for you to kind of recognize what is being said there. Anyways, brother, 
I appreciate you, and uh, you got a fan of me for life. So, appreciate you, my brother. Happy to connect, and uh, would love to do this again sometime. Thank you guys for tuning into my podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Real Seven Show. If you guys would like the video versions of the podcast, you can follow me on Rumble at The Seven Show or on Rockfin at Real Seven Show. Be sure when listening to leave a five star rating and review on the platform that you are listening on. Also, make sure to share this podcast with your friends and family. It helps the podcast grow more than you guys know. And until next time, this is The Real Seven Show.